You know, it was, uh, yeah, honestly, you know, I was, I knew I was going to score. I was just so excited that, uh, you know, it was that wide open and I kind of lost my footing a little bit and uh, just had to make sure I got in there and, you know, look to the ref to see if he gave me a touchdown signal. And I, I think he gave me the safe signal instead. You know, I wasn't sure if I was sliding into second base or trying to score a touchdown. So it was a lot of fun, but uh, something I'll remember for the rest of my life. That's a very special moment. Welcome back. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Tim Ring in for Vinny. I'm Dan Bickley. That was the voice of Trey McBride, number two, second round draft pick for the Cardinals, who had a real rocky start to his professional career. He stacked a couple of good games, and yesterday was his best yet. He scored his first career touchdown. Uh, the David Blau components seemed to really kind of emphasize Trey McBride in, in a lot of those play action designs I talked about. Nice effort for Trey McBride. There was a time when I was really worried about this kid with all the mental errors he was making every time he got on the field that that the either the Cardinals overreached at best or went bust at worst and it's good to see him step up a little bit. Yeah, you know, Bicky had the he had the seven catches for 78 yards and the, the the one touchdown and we saw signs of that in Denver when he you know he had his big quote unquote homecoming and he wanted to play well in front of his family and his friends and I'm with you. I'm telling you midway through the season I wasn't ready to call him a bust yet. It's just it's so tough on a rookie to go there midway through his first season. But it wasn't looking good. Right. I mean, I wasn't getting quite Andy Isabella vibes because that actually did look like a bust early on right. in his career, for, especially, you know, similar second round picks. But I think, you know, the Zach Ertz injury was, while you never want to get playing time that way, probably was a good thing for McBride's development and development that he had to play. The Cardinals had no other course of action. Mm-hmm. But there was a great scene in Hard Knocks. And, you know, the way Hard Knocks and HBO edit stuff, you have no idea, like, when it happened. They always make it look like it happened that week. But it, it doesn't always happen that week, even though it ended up in that week's episode. But when McBride... When they learned Urch was going to go down, they showed a clip and Hayden Hayden was yelling at McBride like, "No more mental errors, no more <laughs> mental errors." Right? Like, get your head out of your, you know what? So mm-hmm. clearly, like Vic, you mentioned yourself, you were worried about the mental errors. The Cardinals were too. This was a guy that was clearly swimming in it. But I think we're seeing some of the ability now that made yeah. him, that made him the Mackey Award winner. Yes, like he can catch the football, he can run it a little bit. I think he's got to get bigger physically. He's got to look a little more like Max Williams. Mm-hmm. And catch it a little more like Trey McBride. Right. And that would be that would be a good thing, and I'll probably help him in the blocking department too. But yeah, it looks like at least for now, anyway, the Cardinals front office did not overreach for a position that was not exactly of need yeah. in the second round. Yeah, a, a position that obviously did not bring them immediate results this year, but uh, at least maybe a pick that can mean something for them going forward. We feel the same way about David Blau, who was probably the number one story of that game, a, a guy who was making his first start in, what, three years, and a, and a guy who just played with a lot of poise and a lot of calmness and a lot of smarts. He's a guy with perspective. I said this before, I'll say it again. The thing that jumped off the screen to me was the kind of designs that they played, he was under center more often than I've even seen Colt McCoy. And we know it's been something to try to get Kyler Murray under center. Um, get David Blau under center in the play action uh, elements. He was very, very athletic in getting the ball and getting back to his running back fast. A lot of times aging quarterbacks like Tom Brady or Colt McCoy, it takes a while to implement that fake to the running back because you're not so fleet of foot anymore. When you got a quarterback who can move like that, it really really popped and I thought this is good now 
I had a lot of people who, who really weren't vibing with my idea that this was their best loss of the season, but I firmly believe that, and not because of the way they played, but what could have been lost had they actually won the game? And, and people are like, well, Bick, what does it matter if they have the fourth pick or the fifth pick or the sixth pick? They can't draft anyways. Once again, I, oh, I come want, on. That's not the way you have to look at it, well, people. Well, I know, but, but some people I know you have hear that. You yes, hear I that. do hear this. And, and so what I'm looking at is a scenario for the Arizona Cardinals, especially if they're going to get in the running for Sean Payton. You're going to need draft capital. And if you can get up in the small, high-rent district of, of picks where – if, if teams don't move up and trade with you, then all the quarterbacks are going to be gone, then that's the position where you can really turn a draft into a goldmine. The Bears famously and poorly moved up for Mitchell Trubisky. The 49ers famously and poorly moved up for Trey Lance. They're teams that will do stupid things and give you a lot of things in return if they think you have got the quarterback they need. So as of right now, the Cardinals, if they lose to the 49ers this weekend, they are guaranteed to have no worse draft position than fourth overall. It's probably where they're going to end up unless the Broncos find a way to beat the Chargers in Week 18, which I guess is possible uh, if the Chargers have nothing to play for. So it goes Houston, Chicago, Seattle, Arizona. For people who pay attention to impact quarterbacks coming out, particularly with the bowl games and the playoff games we saw right now, we know Bryce Young is Number one, considered a generational talent. C.J. Stroud and what he put on the field for Ohio State, pretty darn good. He's going to be a top five pick for somebody. Then after that, what happens? Well, there's a kid from Florida named Anthony Richardson who's got all the measurables. He's the kind of guy that could go to a combine and light it up and people would go, I got to have that guy. So my point is this. For the Cardinals sitting at four, potentially three, but probably four, they've got a chance to spin this to a team that desperately needs a quarterback. And there's still a good number of teams that desperately need a quarterback. And also one of the teams that doesn't need a quarterback is the Chicago Bears. So that's one you already that's will take out of it. Well, that's so, the other. Go right. ahead, Nick. So you, so you ask yourself, okay, so when you, ta- when you take a look at this, you, what will the Bears do with that pick? What will Seattle do with Denver's pick? Seattle's got Geno Smith. Yeah. Are, they, are they convinced in Geno Smith? I don't know. But then the, they're the Cardinals at four. Uh, the amount of teams that need quarterbacks right now, the Falcons, you just saw Des Ritter. He looks good, but I don't know. Are they sold on him? Yeah, they, the Jets obviously need a quarterback. The Colorado, Commanders need a quarterback. Washington, yeah. Colorado, Colorado. Co- yeah, what yeah, franchise right. is that, Jerry? <laughs> what? The, the Saints need. Hey, Washington University of Colorado. Hey, Dion's going to Dion's going to get one in the portal, right, Jerry. Right, Don't worry right, about him. Right, and right. also, just just real quick on what you were saying about fans saying, "Oh, they'll just screw up the pick." Don't worry about. We don't know who's making the draft pick this year for the Cardinals. Yeah, they're gonna have a, they're gonna have a, maybe a new front office, potentially a new front office. Here's the other thing. Here's the other thing, guys. If 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 you want to, here's what, the reason why you want to be at four two. Also, the the chances of getting if you stay if you stay pat, stand pat, and don't trade, you don't want a quarterback. You want either Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. With the Bears obviously taking one of those guys, there's going to be one left. Your chances of getting the other guy are a lot better at four than they are at six. Oh, no doubt. 
Oh, no doubt. So you want to get no a, doubt. You, yeah, you want to get one of those two yes. dudes. Yeah, you want to be sitting there at four, and even then, yeah. if Seattle doesn't take a quarterback, there's no guarantee you're going to get one of those guys. But your chances are far better at four. So, so I get the idea of football players and rewards and validation. I understand the pressure Cliff Kingsbury's under, and I understand what it would mean to him personally to get a win on the way out the door. I, I'm just real happy the Cardinals didn't because where they're at right now might be a real good opportunity for them going forward. All right, coming up on the other side, we're going to update you on the story of DeMar Hamlin and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, horrifying scene in Cincinnati last night. We'll update you on that. Tim, ring in for Vinny. I'm Dan Bickley. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. When DeMar Hamlin falls to the turf and when you see the medical staff rush to the field and both teams are on the field, you realize this isn't normal. You realize this isn't just football. And so many times in this game and in our job as well, we use the cliches, you know, I'm ready to die for this. I'm willing to give my life for this. It's, it's time to go to war. And I think sometimes we use those things so much, we forget that part of living this dream is putting your life at risk. And tonight, you know, we got to see a side of football that is extremely ugly. A side of football that no one ever, a side of football that no one ever wants to see mm-hmm. or never wants to admit exists. When you see both teams on the field crying in that way, your first thought is DeMar Hamlin. Yep. The second thought is his family. That Ryan Clark from ESPN talking about DeMar Hamlin, a horrifying scene last night on Monday Night Football. If you watched the game live, and a lot of people were, this wasn't like a Sunday game with a limited audience or a regional audience. This was Monday Night Football. This was a nation engaged because it was Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen. So you had upwards of 25 million people watching that game last night, maybe more. And it was one of the more horrifying things any of us have ever seen as football fans. As you said, you were out to dinner. You were watching it and you became nauseated. That's the way people were um, just based on the fact that the reaction of the Bills players, you knew something was just horribly wrong. And then when Joe Buck said that he was being administered CPR on the field, you're like, okay, that is not normal. And then you learn he suffered cardiac arrest, which I guess technically meant he died temporarily on the football field before being resuscitated. And as you said, and as many people have said, if you're going to collapse anywhere, collapsing on a football field ain't a bad place to do it because there's a lot of medical professionals there for you. And you could see them all around DeMar Hamlin last night. No, and they, and they did a tremendous job. And, and Bick, yeah, you, you mentioned, I mean, the, 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 the pictures Obviously, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman did a, did a, I thought they did a tremendous job last night. Really professional work given the circumstances throughout the entire ordeal. But the pictures, like we've become very accustomed to player injuries in football, right? We've Mm -hmm. been accustomed to the cart. We've been accustomed, Mm -hmm. maybe not the ambulance as much, but we've been accustomed to players even on the field kneeling down. But more often than not, it, it ends with good news, ultimately. Like It, it ends with it, the thumbs up as the, they're being The, the taken thumbs off. up. I mean, I, I've lived through, I've lived through, I mean, I, I, I was around Mike Utley and Dennis Bird and, and some of these other, you know, injuries that, that were, that took your breath away. I remember even in, in, in hockey, uh, Troy Murray, the old Blackhawks uh, center, uh, his dental plate was knocked out of his mouth, but down his throat. He was on the on, on the ice, Bick, and he, he couldn't breathe, and he he, he he almost lost his life. I mean, so these 
but the guys have always turned out okay. And, man, you saw Josh Allen and the Bills players and looking at the big monitors at the, at the, at the place we were last night, and, and I could tell, like, okay, this is something that they've never seen before, and this is yeah. absolutely, yeah. extremely serious, meaning something that we've never even seen before or have endured before as fans. I wonder, I wonder what the long-term effects, and again, the good news for DeMar Hamlin is that he is breathing on his own, his heartbeat has been restored. Um, he's under uh, uh, sedation right now, and he's in critical condition. Yet he's under great care, and we're, we're all hoping for the best possible outcome for DeMar Hamlin. Um, the thing that, that I can't help but think is when, when CTE became a thing in the NFL, when people began to realize that concussions were a lot more nefarious than getting your bell rung, there were a lot of people wondering, what is this going to mean to the future of football? Is this going to turn off sports fans? Is it going to turn off parents from allowing their children to play football? And and I think that the idea of CTE, even though it was horrifying to hear stories of players who you know, couldn't find their way home from a grocery store, who, who couldn't organize a thought and obviously were wearing the damage of a game, this is different. This is a this is a violence of a of a I won't say a routine football play, but a play we see every week, you know, possibly taking the life of a football player and you wonder you wonder what that does to the perception of the sport because that was the vibe the vibe was okay we knew this sport was dangerous but this is next level kind of well stuff. remember this is also coming off the heels of the same season where Tua what was hit and and had I forget what they called it, but with the, his fingers with his and fingers were people calling that the you know the ugliest thing they they'd yeah. ever seen the scariest thing they'd ever right. seen. This is all That's within right. the same you it know is. season and and over the weekend. Not that these two, not that this next one is part of it, but if you are looking at the horrifying element of the NFL, this is also a weekend where Kayvon Thibodeau is doing snow angels next to Nick Foles, who's convulsing. And it's just these are Jared's right. These are powerful visuals. We have never seen the Tua brain trauma response thing that we saw, and it was like, okay, I don't know if I want to see that. And last night was even worse. Play, players are getting so big, oh. and so strong, and so fast. I mean, they don't even resemble guys that played the game thirty, no. forty, fifty years ago. It's it's it's, it, it's becoming more and more violent, dangerous. Big, you bring up a great point about how this might affect the sport going forward with parents and and whatnot. For example, I, I have a son who plays on the freshman football team at Desert Mountain. I did not realize this until he started playing that, you know, when we grew up, there was a freshman team and a sophomore team and a varsity team. The amount of kids now that, that don't play football has led teams to no longer have a freshman and sophomore team. They have a freshman sophomore team combined wow. and they call it the JV team. And I'm wow. not saying that's a blanket statement for every high school in the country, but at, at our home school, Desert Mountain High, there's, there's, they have to combine the teams because kids don't play football ball as much as they used to. And I, I got to tell you, Vic, honestly, it went through my mind as well. Very secondary to the to the most important thing, obviously, and that's the health of DeMar Ham. But I thought to myself, how is this going to affect parents going forward in terms of, because it's already, we're seeing a decline. Yeah. And then you see something like this, uh-huh. it's far different 
than a than a knee or an ankle no, or a shoulder. Right. And, and that was also part of it last night, as I said earlier. We have we've been conditioned to to be aghast and appalled at at the real violence in the NFL, the late hits, the blindside hits, the helmet to helmet hits, the dirty plays, the Vontez perfect on Antonio Brown. Some of these things that you look at and you go, "Wow, these human beings in the in in." In these uniforms and helmets and shoulder pads, they can inflict incredible damage. But this was this was an offensive player going into a defensive guy. So this was not even this didn't even fit into the box of of on field behavior that you can legislate. No, and it's it's a hit that not only do you see every game, Vic, you, you darn near see it see it every play. I mean, this was not a violent. This was not an inappropriate hit. This was not somebody. Out of line, leading with the crown of his helmet, somebody nefariously trying to trying to hurt no. somebody. And we don't or know stick ex- somebody. We don't know exactly what was the cause of what happened. We don't know exactly his medical history. No, we don't know all no. that stuff. Like what? Because cardiac arrest could have a lot of factors. Sure. To Absolutely. it beyond just like getting hit in the chest. Absolutely. And all that will come out. It, but it's, it still was a result of a of a of a of a play that happened in a very, very violent game. So I just, I think under the umbrella of, of Dan's point is this will have some sort of residual effect on, on, on parents who are already maybe on the fence about letting yeah. their young youngster play, play football. I mean, how could it not? I mean, that, I, was, I agree. that was a very traumatic scene last night. And it's something that I guess sort of we'll see five, ten years from now. Not necessarily maybe. immediately because like as there's less and less youth football players, Five, ten years from now is when it starts. There's less college but players. There's less NFL players, stuff like that. Real quick, Tim, what Tim said is also correct. All the fear of CTE, the feel was, okay, maybe the talent pool for the NFL was going to diminish. That hasn't happened because there is so much money in this league. It has now become a $17 billion a year industry, and, and so it's still attracting the biggest, strongest, fastest athletes in America because this was where the fame and the money and the swag, that's where it all is. And, and bigger, stronger, faster keeps happening and and there are guardrails for it. I remember people thought that Will Smith movie would end the yeah, NFL yeah, and it, it, it had no. practically no effect no. at all. But it is time for Character Counts presented by Parker and Sons Cool and Plumbing Heating and Electrical. Today's nominee is East Mark High School senior Isaiah Jackson. Not only does Jackson play golf and several instruments, but he's a four-year tennis star at the school. However, Jackson's true passion is helping the community and he spent much of his free time volunteering for Feed My Starving Children and St. Vincent de Paul. Jackson also helped establish the East Mark Black Student Union Club, where he serves as vice president. After graduation, Jackson is headed to ASU to study engineering. Character Counts, presented by Parker and Sons. Well done. Yeah, well, what? Parker and Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical is looking for their next student athlete to win a $10,000 scholarship. Text CHARACTER to 62620 to nominate a student today. You see, when your eyes are as bad as mine, uh-huh. you have to use big font on the printout, and then it takes two pages. Right. And right. Uh, you forget that it's on well, across young two pages. Done, y- well done to that young man. Uh, yes. Congratulations, I Isaiah. Good I job, Isaiah. I didn't do anything in high school. Did you do anything of note in high school, Ferret? 
Absolutely. I ran track and field. Well, that's right. But yeah. I didn't do any of these. Like, every one of these people that we talk about, not only did they do one or two sports, they not only the are world. they on, like, the honor roll and all yeah. this stuff, then they do all these extracurricular right. stuff for the community. Right. <laughs> Come yeah. on, guys. Step, like, step up your high school resume. Yeah, my, yeah. Played, vars- yeah. played varsity basketball, senior class vice president, National Honor Society. You did that? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. All right, we'll get you caught up yeah, must have been on school. what you need to know. The Rush Hour <laughs> reboot is next. Timbering in for Vinny. I'm Dan Bickley. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Everybody, Dan Bickley, Tim Ring, happy Tuesday. We've got a lot of ground to cover today. We do the Rush Hour Reboot every day at 7.30. Normally, it's Sarah Cazell. She, like Vinny, is on vacation. Zach Larson is here to take us through it. Take it away, Zach. Yeah, let's start off with the Cardinals, who fell short on Sunday, 20-19 to the Atlanta Falcons. Young Wei Koo hitting the game-winning field goal from 21 yards out. We'll start off with the quarterback position. David Blau, he looked pretty okay, actually, throwing 24 completions for 40 attempts for 222 yards and a touchdown. Zero turnovers for the fourth-year quarterback. He looked pretty okay, actually. <laughs> that's where we're at in this season. Yep, yep. Four wins on the year. That's that's what gets you. Here's Cliff Kingsbury postgame on Blau. Yeah, he did a great job, particularly um, only getting Friday's reps. You know, Colt uh, took the reps Wednesday and Thursday and then felt like he, he wasn't in a place where he could play. And um, David stepped in and I thought operationally really operated at a high level. There's some throws we like to have back, but was proud of his effort. Did Blau's performance convince you guys that he deserves to remain on the roster as potentially a backup heading into next season? Now, listen, it's it's one game, so it would be foolhardy to say yes, but to me, I saw elements of his game that Trace McSorley doesn't have. I saw elements to his game that Colt McCoy doesn't have, to be quite honest with you. So, so my answer is yes, but... I want to see more. Uh, again, you're going up against the 49ers defense. That uh, he's, he's going to have a rougher go of it yeah. on Sunday <laughs> than he did last Sunday. What what makes you think that, Tim? I get it. I also let's let's be real about the future now for the Cardinals. If there's a new front office and a new coaching staff, perhaps I mean, are they going to have their own guys that they like that are out there to come in and compete? For a number two quarterback spot or a number three quarterback spot, who do they believe is going to be the stopgap starting quarterback until Kyler Murray can come back? So there's a lot of unknowns when you talk about the future for David Blau in that quarterback position. But from what he showed on Sunday, I think he served himself well to be in the conversation going forward to battle for a roster spot in 2023. That's about as far, Zach, as I'll go with that. All righty. Well, Blau, I mean, he did have one breakout performer on that offense, Trey McBride. We mentioned it earlier. It finally felt like the rookie tight end took the reins and made some magic happen. Seven receptions for 78 yards and the only touchdown scored by the Cards in this game. Here's McBride post game on scoring his first career touchdown. You know, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, honestly, you know, I was, I knew I was going to score. I was just so excited that, uh, you know, it was that wide open and I kind of lost my footing a little bit and uh, just, 
had to make sure I got in there and you know look to the ref to see if he gave me a touchdown signal and I, I think he gave me the safe signal instead you know I wasn't sure if I was sliding into second base or trying to score a touchdown so it was a lot of fun but uh, something I'll remember for the rest of my life that's a very special moment great to see the rookie tight end the first pick for the Cardinals in this past draft finally score how would you guys rate McBride's performance and does it show potential for the future yeah it does because like I said it was a, a clean game and an effective game and as Tim said he, he's a he's a good hybrid of Max Williams and Zach Ertz. he can catch he can run he can block um, it, he needs to get bigger to be um, truly a force but yeah I, I it was one of the few takeaways from Sunday that I think were real significant positives for the football team the idea that this kid is not um, may not be a huge draft regret in the long run that's good I think I think that's important the Zach Zach Ertz injury certainly afforded McBride uh, some much needed playing time for him and his development and I think as the season gone, has gone along Zach he's he's made the most of it and I think he's getting better and better and, and that's what you want to see out of, out of a young out of a young player at, at any position and remember he's also playing with backup quarterbacks and a an offensive line that is missing four out of five starters so you know everything he's doing right now is is with an undermanned Cardinals offense to a certain extent and I will say this you can separate the player from the person all you want and that's fine but I really like what I've heard out of Trey McBride uh, as a young guy uh, they highlighted him on hard knocks I thought I found his backstory to be fascinating he was he was raised by two mothers he's got a, a twin brother uh, he just seems like a good kid and a good young man uh, who's got his head on his shoulders correctly and I'm, I'm excited about the future for Trey McBride I really am all right let's sit, let's stick with football and go down to the college level what a weekend of games we had on tap especially in the playoffs. First, right here in our backyard, we had TCU take down Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl, despite the Wolverines scoring 39 second-half points and almost making a comeback. But the Horn Frogs win 51-45. to And then to close out the year, the Peach Bowl. What a comeback from the Dogs. Georgia down 38-24. to Entering the fourth quarter, they score 18 while holding Ohio State to only three points. They do enough to stop C.J. Stroud on the final drive to set up a 50-yard field goal and Noah Ruggles for Ohio State. Hooks it wide left. Georgia wins 42-41 to just as the clock hits midnight on the East Coast. Here's Kirby Smart, head coach of the Bulldogs on the difficulty of stopping Ohio State. A lot of credit goes to them. You know, I mean, we, 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 we tried man. We tried zone. We mixed it up. Uh, probably the most disappointing thing was the, the series before the half. You know, like they, they earned it most of the time and we, we had some stops. We had some big stops, some big momentum stops in the first half and then we had some big momentum stops in the second half, but the one before the half was probably the one that, that, that really, that we, had, we had seized a little momentum there, and then they went to the half with the momentum after that. That's that's probably the most disappointing thing that we had. We saw some great bowl games all weekend long. Guys, what is your biggest takeaway from either the playoffs or just some of the bowl games you saw this weekend? It, just the the pathos of the Big Ten fan as Saturday unfolded, and it probably resonates with Tim and I a little more, because we spent a lot of time in the Midwest, but, but for Michigan to think they had a layup and for Michigan to think that they finally had bragging rights over Ryan Day and Ohio State and then for them to lose that game then Ohio State has a chance to kind of upset Georgia then they lose that game. It was just it was a wild series of events. I, 
I thought Kirby Smart, he called one of the best intuitive timeouts I've ever seen. Right before that fake punt. Oh, I know. Where he just I... looked and said, something ain't right here. Or one Timeout. Of the, or one of his guys in the yeah, booth. Right. Maybe. Either way, the staff, right. led by Kirby yeah. Smart, right. got that. I'll tell you real quick. I'll give you the exact scenario. The Buckeyes were up 38-27 with 9.30 to play, fourth and one on their own 38. If Kirby Smart doesn't get that timeout, they convert that fourth down on the fake punt. I have a tough time believing Georgia can come back from that right. because Ohio State then has momentum. They keep the ball. The clock ticks down even further. Georgia overcame a 14-point fourth-quarter deficit as it was. Yeah. If, if Ohio State extends that drive there, I'm not sure that they do. A couple things about the college football playoff uh, and the emergence of TCU here this season and into the championship game. Believe it or not, guys, this will be the first championship game that does not feature Alabama, Clemson, or Ohio State. <laughs> Ever. Really? Yeah, in the well, playoff era. In the playoff okay. in the playoff era. But unfortunately, we still see SEC dominance. Now, Georgia has been in the championship game three of the last six years, and the SEC has played in the championship game every season in the playoffs with the exception of the first playoff in 2014 when Ohio State played Oregon. So we are getting a bit of progress, but we still have the the dominance of the of the SCC. But I thought, Zach, I mentioned it earlier, two competitive playoff games for the first time ever. Uh, that was a treat to sit down on a Saturday and watch those games take place because usually you don't even get one competitive game, let alone yeah. two. Fear the Pac-12. Maybe you're sort of rethinking about trying to recruit TCU to join your conference? <laughs> Maybe they're more valuable than you thought. Hey, they're, they listen, they're, the, the way that they're funded, Jared, you actually bring up a good point. With, with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, TCU, there's all kinds of money there. Right? Big nose there. There's all kinds of money surrounding Texas Christian University. They are poised to dominate maybe that, that Big 12 conference for a long time now. I don't think this is the last we've heard of the of the frogs in the playoff picture, even when it goes to 12, obviously. Wow. They're going to be they're going to be around. Yeah. Them in their purple uniforms are going to be around. Yep. Well done. Thank you, Zach. Appreciate it. That is your Rush Hour reboot. Coming up on the other side, what are we doing, Jed? We're visiting with Kyle Vandenbosch. Oh, our old friend, KVB. Love it. Kyle Vandenbosch next. Tim Ring filling in for Vinny. I'm Dan Bickley. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Happy Tuesday, everybody. A lot of ground to cover this week. A lot of football stuff happening. Tim Ring in for Vinny. Dan Bickley here. Our great pleasure now to welcome in former Cardinals star, good friend of ours, the one, the only Kyle Vandenbosch. Hi, Kyle. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Love having you. So let's uh, let's start with what happened last night because clearly what happened to Demar Hamlin has really spoke to everybody who played the game, plays the game. Where, what did you go through emotionally if you saw that live last night? Yeah, I did see it live. Um, you know, first first thought was it was terrifying. You know, to me. Oh boy, in a season, I guess maybe it's just being around the Cardinals and what seems like just an unprecedented amount of injuries, even watching bowl games over the weekend, you're seeing injuries and concussions. And, um, you know, it's it's a reminder of just how brutal the, the sport of football could be. Um, so, my, you know, my first thought was, you know, I, I thought it was a concussion. And then as time went on and you saw – the reaction of the players on the field, um, I, 
Hey, you know, my, my first thing is, you know, my thoughts and prayers go to DeMar Hamlin and, and praying for a full recovery and uh, pray for his family and um, the the players on the field. Um, I can't imagine, um, you know, the trauma that they went through witnessing. You know, it's easy to say a teammate, but you really are like brothers, uh, especially at this point in the season especially when you're on a team um, that's that's had success, you really do become close. And, um, you know, to to witness something like that, um, you, you know, it changes you. There's, there's things, uh, if you play the sport of football long enough, you see things you can't unsee, and it affects how you approach your craft. It affects how you think about things going forward. And, um, you know, so my first thoughts went to Hamlin and then there was the players on the field and then you start to reflect a little bit. And, you know, when, when you're a young player and you enter into the league, you understand that there's some risk, but that's not one of them. That's not one that, that you accept. Um, you know, you, you, especially, you know, we've had talked a lot about this week about how, um, you know, with JJ Watt and, and his, announcement last week you talked about how being a father and having a family it changes your life and it changes your priorities and um you know football you get so wrapped up in it when you're in it and you're playing in it but football is what i did it's not who i was what i am is a is a is a husband you know i'm a father i'm a brother i'm a son and in the end when you walk away from the game those are the things that you hold close in and that you you know you uh, you know, all the injuries you have and, um, you know, all the adversity you went through, you walk away and, and you resume your life as as a normal as possible human being. And, um, you know, you see something like that and um, it affects it affects you. And so you just hope and pray that, uh, you know, DeMar Hamlin is okay and that we get some good news today. Um, and everything else, you know, it's, I, I thought it was a tough situation last night for ESPN. Um, uh, I thought, you know, Booger McFarlane and Ryan Clark and um, Scott Van Pelt thought they did a fantastic job kind of talking about the effects it has on a player and the emotions and, and what the players in the locker room are going through both sides. And, um, you know, there's not a player – in the NFL, there's probably not a player in college football that isn't having some heavy thoughts today. And you know, as a as a father who's got three sons, um, uh, all of them have a potential to have a future in football. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you think about those things as well. Like, I just want them to grow up to be good husbands and good fathers. And um, it's you know, you don't want to steer them away from things but at the same time that was it was definitely tugging at your heartstrings and and you don't ever want to experience something like that with somebody close to you visiting with kyle vandenbosch uh, about last night's incident uh, obviously and and kyle we, we appreciate your insight being able to tap into the insights of, of of a guy who you know who played the game in terms of the immediate aftermath Kyle, I don't think anybody in the general public expected the players to continue on playing. Once it, once it became apparent 
the severity of the injury. It took, I would say, the majority of the country to, to, to process this in a matter of minutes saying, well, how can they go on and play the game? And the players clearly felt the same way. I don't know what the NFL was thinking during the timeline. We'll probably find out in a few days. Uh, if we'll ever find out, but could you could you put us in the minds of the players? What what do, I mean? There's no way you could play that. I'm not sure when they can play that game. I, I, do, can you can can you speak to the aspect of, of of having to play football again at some point after something like that transpires? Yeah, I, uh, to be frank, I don't know how they play again in the near future. I mean, regardless of how they decide to resolve the unfinished game last night. I don't know how you turn around and play next week. I don't know how you turn around and play in a couple weeks. Mm. Um, like I said, those players are dealing with trauma. They saw a, a friend, a teammate, a brother, um, heart stop beating and have to have life brought back to him um, with the support of of you know the emergency medical staff that was there on the field and um i don't know how you move forward it's it's uh there's no good answers and i know look uh everybody's quick to assess um how the nfl handled it how the players handled it the coaches handled it in that situation um there's a lot going on there's a lot of logistics and look the nfl can be a cold cold sport look i i've I've been on the practice field and seen a teammate blow out his knee and have the coaches say, we're moving the drill 10 yards and let the medical staff attend to them while you move on and keep practicing. And, and that's the cold reality at times, but um, this was different. Um, you know, you, again, you don't necessarily speak it, but when you play the sport of football, you accept an inherent risk. If you play this game long enough, you're going to be injured. You're going to be in pain, um, you know, to various degrees of injury and pain, but um, you don't sign up for something that is life-threatening that can affect you and your way of life um, and, and and you know potentially end your life um it's it's different this was different and you know it was spoken and talked about um ad nauseum last night but this was unprecedented and so um i don't know how this um how the league moves forward you know it's not just these two teams that are affected like i said to various degrees every single person that straps on a helmet after seeing that um is is changed and um, you know, I, I hope that these teams have the right support systems in place um, for the families, for the players. And, um, you know, uh, the, the, the biggest thing, again, is, um, you know, everybody's feelings are, are important and emotions. Um, but the, the biggest priority right now is, is just everybody supports the, the Hamlin family and um, you, you pray for a full recovery. Very well said. Let's take a hard left-hand turn, get your thoughts on Sunday's game in Atlanta. David Blau, J.J. Uh, Watt getting the sack, the performance of Trey McBride. There were some good elements to come out of the game. They kept their draft position intact. That was a win-win for me from the Cardinals. What did you, what'd you take away from Week 17? 
Yeah, I thought it was a good performance. Um, I thought Blau, um, you know, with with his short amount of preparation, I thought he executed well, knew where to go with the ball, wasn't always 100% accurate. Um, I was encouraged by the shots down the field, even though they weren't um, always on target, um, weren't didn't have great effectiveness, but it looked like something – uh, was added that was missing for the majority of the season. Um, you know, it's it's tough to glean much from it. You know, it, um, it, there's around 30 free agents um, going into next year that are unsigned at this point. There's going to be tremendous turnover. Um, the players you see on the field now might not be on the field next year. So, you know, we talk about building and going forward and um it's it's tough to understand who's a part of that process going forward um you know i think there might be a future for david blau if it's not here at the arizona cardinals he could um, continue to develop into a quality backup um i i did as you mentioned i i'm seeing a, a pretty quick ascension from Trey mcbride i don't think he looked nearly this effective three weeks ago, and it's not just from a pass-catching standpoint. Um, he's much better blocking at the point of attack, so um, this experience is valuable for him. Um, saying that, um, look, the Falcons aren't a good team. Um, I don't think they have a more talented roster in spite of all of our injuries than the Cardinals had. And, uh, again, to me, you know, I, I don't think it's a completely accurate narrative that um, at least they're playing hard. It looked like a team that was worn down again in the fourth quarter, and to me that's discouraging. There's things you can control, and there's things yeah. you can't control in the football field. Um, I'm not sure the effort was there the way everybody portrayed it to be. If you watched that last drive, we knew coming in, Algier and Cordell Patterson were going to be our biggest problem, and, and at times – the run defense was was bad. Um, you know, I got a chance to watch the all twenty two copy, and and players were scooped two gaps out of their gap at times and reached. And and at this point in the season, they're still struggling with gap accountability. And and you know, their two rushing touchdowns were right up the middle. Um, Algier and Patterson were untouched, and um, so there's still some concerning things to me from an execution standpoint at this point in the season. Well said, Kyle. Really appreciate you sharing your thoughts. Thank you so much for your time. Always appreciated. Always a pleasure, guys. Have a good day. Appreciate you, man. Cardinal broadcaster, former star Kyle Vandenbosch joining us. Up next, second half of the program begins with a Bickley blast. Fired! Tim Ring in for Vinny. I'm Dan Bickley. You're listening to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.